Everybody has trials and temptations. Ooh, ooh. Everybody knows heartbreak, isolation. Ooh, ooh, ooh. But we can lay our burdens down. What a friend we have in Jesus. East to west, my sins are gone. I see grace on every horizon. And forever and ever, his heart is my home. Everybody has fears. Everybody's got worries. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Everybody knows sorrow. Devastation, but we can lay our burdens down. Lay our burdens down. What a friend we have in Jesus. He's to west my sins are gone. I see grace on every horizon, and forever. Good morning, and I hope you checked out the name tag table and have your name tag on. I have mine on, and it is my actual name. Um, so hopefully, if we have those, everybody has a name tag on, um, we'll be able to learn some names that we may not know, and some people have already commented that it will help them remember their own name. Um, so I do suggest if you're going to do that, you learn how to write upside down um, so you can just look down and, and remember who you are. But the Lord knows who we are, and He knows that we are supposed to be here on this eighth day of August. And so I welcome you in the name of the Lord. It is good to be here, and it is true as we started to sing to proclaim that we do have a wonderful friend in the Lord Jesus. And so as we worship together this morning, maybe that will be a thought that the Lord just runs through your mind, that He is your, your friend, that He is for you, and He is not against you. 
you're visiting with us this morning, it is good to see you. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. We hope you enjoy the worship time with us this morning. I don't have one, but there is a little tan card um, in the bulletin that is called a Connect card. It's a way that you can communicate information with us, share prayer requests, ask questions. And if you have any of those things, you can just jot it on the little card and drop it in the offering plate when we pass it in just a few moments. But we are glad that you've joined us here today. Let me just highlight a few things before we read from God's Word together. And if you want to start turning there, we're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. First of all, I just want to highlight once again our Wednesday activities. We meet at 11 o'clock here at the church for Bible study and lunch. Um, We enjoy a time of singing together. We study from God's Word. We take time to pray, and then we enjoy lunch. And currently, it is still absolutely free. And so if you um, would like to join us for for lunch or treat your wife to lunch um, or wives treat your husbands to lunch, it's a great opportunity. Just join us at the Bible study. See, honey, I'm picking up lunch today and show up at the Bible study. Um, I've heard that's been done before, um, but I... But I hope you, um, you do take advantage of it. It's a great time. It's wonderful fellowship. And amazingly, there's always enough food for all that are present. Also, on Wednesday evenings, we join together at 6.30 here for a time of prayer. We study God's Word and we pray um, together for needs in the church and needs in our community and throughout the world. And so that's two opportunities on Wednesday. also want to remind you that next Saturday, the 14th of August, is the day, the 14th of the month, that we set apart as a church to pray for revival and spiritual awakening. And so if you just set aside some part of your Saturday, take a moment, take several moments to to pray and ask God to bring both revival and spiritual awakening um, to our community and to our county. Also, Lloyd and his family, Lloyd Breitendolf and his family, would like me to invite you to his birthday party. Um, Lloyd is turning 40 on um, this month. Um, And so in honor of Lloyd's 40th birthday, his family is going to have um, a birthday party here at the church on August the 21st. It's a Saturday. It's at 1 o'clock. And just so they can know about how much food to prepare, if you are planning to attend, Glenn has placed a notepad back there. And just jot your name on there and how many people are going to come. And Lloyd is a little bit older than 40. Um, But the Lord has blessed him with good health and a sharp mind, and we're glad to celebrate his birthday here in just a couple of weeks. Also, next Sunday, we'll collect items for Harvest House. You can see a list of those in the bulletin. Um, Summer is almost over. School is starting back, and so breakfast items, canned goods, things that can be an easy, quick meal um, for kids and adults that don't necessarily have to be refrigerated or cooked are always important items. And then one last announcement. Um, You know, because of the situations earlier in the year, we had to postpone our winter Bible study. Dr. Jimmy Nelson, for I don't know how many years, has has came and taught us over three days, either from the Old Testament or the New Testament. I mean, speaking with him recently, we have rescheduled the previously postponed winter Bible study to August 23rd, 24th, and 25th. And so winter, well, the Bible study is coming in August on the 23rd. I guess we'll call it the summer Bible study, but we we start here at the church at 9 o'clock. It's a great time, and um, Brother Jimmy still hasn't decided exactly what he's going to to teach from, but as as always, he assures me that it will likely be the Bible. And so if you are available on those days, um, 
We'd love for you to join us at 9 o'clock on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, August 23rd through 25th. If there's any other information or calendar, you can consult the bulletin, and um, we hope you'll take advantage of that as well. Our scripture reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll start reading in the 17th verse down through the 21st verse, and then I'll pray and also um, bless our offering. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It's a wonderful statement, declaration. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are thankful that we can be here today, this wonderful morning, to sing praises and to worship your name. We're thankful for your sacrifice, that you that knew no sin became sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God to enjoy the wonderful gift of salvation. And let this morning be a celebration of our salvation, a time of of giving glory to our, our Lord and our Savior, of lifting up high the name of Jesus. Let it be a time of of worship and sacrifice as we bring our our sacrifice of praise into your presence. Lord, help us to focus our hearts and our minds on you. Help us to listen with our ears and with our hearts. Lord, help us as we sing and as we share, as we study, to see Jesus high and lifted up. And Lord, in this time that you would transform us, mold us and make us into the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus. And Father, we ask your blessing upon the offerings that we receive. That you would use them to be a blessing to the kingdom work in this church and in our community and throughout the world. Lord, thank you for meeting all of our needs and giving us the opportunity to say thank you by returning just a small portion of what you've blessed us with to you. And so, Lord, help us to give with cheerful hearts with trusting hearts that know that you will meet all our needs. And Lord, help us to honor you, not only with what we give, but how we live. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
Thank you. You may be seated.
going to take your Bibles and turn to the very last page of the book of James. We have two verses remaining as we conclude our study through the book of James. It's been been enlightening for for me, and at several points along the journey, I've I've found myself in in great need of the words um, that James would would speak many years ago to young Christians struggling to stand firm in their faith and to follow after the Lord Jesus. And I'm sure at least at times some of the things have, have rang true in your heart as well. And this last time together in the book of James is, is no different than the others. I don't know a lot about shepherds. But sometimes shepherds lose sheep. And they go and search for the ones that have wandered away from the flock. And sometimes something that's interesting about sheep is when they fall over and they find themselves on their back, they're not able to turn over and get up. And so a searching shepherd could often find a sheep in the pasture or somewhere in the field laying on their back with their legs flailing in the air, not able to get up. Philip Keller, who is a Christian, a writer, and a shepherd, who wrote a shepherd's look at the 23rd Psalm, says that in the ancient English they would call those cast sheep. Something that when they find themselves on their back and they can't get up and every now and then they would let out a bleat for help. But mostly they just lay there in frightened frustration wondering what's going to happen. Will I be devoured? I guess if sheep think. I'm just imagining that they do. But Philip Keller says some of his fondest memories as a shepherd were those times when he had counted the sheep, found that some were lost and that he would go out And he would save and restore those cast sheep. See, he was the shepherd of those sheep. And in the same way, God uses you and I, believers, who follow the leadership of the good shepherd, to be a part in what he is doing to save and restore lost sheep. So let me just ask you a question. When people wander away, or when you wander away from the truth, how do you respond? How do we respond? You get news of, or you hear of a situation firsthand, and you know that a brother or a sister is off track. Do we simply just let them go on their own and trust the Lord to to deal with them? Or does God expect more from us, his people. You see, as we conclude this study of James today, I want to suggest that God does expect more from us. And the main idea I want us to explore is that brothers and sisters in Christ have a privilege, and it is a privilege, and a responsibility, and it's a serious one, of calling one another to the truth. That as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a responsibility to one another to call each other to the truth. At the very end of his letter, instead of signing love 
James or grace and peace. James simply says this, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Will you join me as we pray? Lord, as we look at these two verses, just a few sentences together, Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds. You would help us to to lay aside distractions and be able to hear your voice. To hear what you were saying to us, your people, your church. And Lord, we would not see it as verses of condemnation, but verses of challenge and encouragement and exhortation. That we would boldly embrace the responsibilities you've given us to do with glad, loving hearts, knowing the shortness of the time and the seriousness of the day. We ask for your help as we, as I speak and as we listen. Help us of all, above all to hear your voice. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So James only has two verses left, but he has much to say. Since April, we've been looking at this book of James. It's a very relatively small book. It's only five chapters. And the big idea that we've explored time and time again in the different sections is that true faith in Jesus is a tested faith. He calls us to be not just hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word, to put into practice what we say we believe. James went on to remind us that trials are just a part of life. Everyone experiences them, but we can trust God in the middle of those difficult times. He also showed us that we, when we make mistakes, and we do often, God offers forgiveness. He gives us this gift of prayer to pray for those who are sick, to pray for those who are in sin. But he also mentioned several struggles that we come upon from time to time. Even Christians controlling our tongue. How we speak matters to God. So we need to choose our words carefully. Not doing what God tells us to do is also a very serious thing. We can at times be disobedient, saying, God, I won't do that. Or we can find ourselves hypocritical, claiming that we are one thing and acting very differently. In the midst of our trials and struggles, we can find ourselves complaining and fighting amongst one another. If we're not careful, we can run out ahead of God and look to the future without consulting Him first and make our own plans. Many different things that they struggled with, that we struggle with as well, even today. And as we come to the end of this letter, it's noticeable to us that it does not end like a traditional letter. Most letters you read in the New Testament that Paul or John wrote, or others, would end with these final greetings and a blessing. But here, everything just 
stops. But in the stop, without love, James, he has a very important reminder that we have a responsibility to help one another when we wander away from the truth. Because from time to time, everyone gets off track. But it's always important to remember that there's always a way back. There's just three simple points on their outline. The first thing is just this. We all need help staying on the right path. Every now and then when I'm driving down the road, Deborah will say, keep it in the lane, buddy. I don't know what that means. Um, but I am thankful that now there's those little strips that help you to remember. But it's very true in life that sometimes we swerve out of the lane of what God's plan is. Out, under the, out from under the umbrella of His protection. Outside of what His truth would call us to do. We're not perfect, let's be honest. No one ever should claim to be because Jesus is the only one that ever lived a perfect life. The only one that never sinned. He never stumbled. He never diverted from the mission that God gave him. Oh, he was tempted along the way, but he never fell. He lived that life that was sinless. He died as a perfect sacrifice for our sins, and then he died on the cross and rose again so we could live in victory. If you read the New Testament, that's the story that you get that God has so much more for us in Jesus. That He has a path, a way for us to walk, to follow after Jesus, the one who is the way. But along that way, you and I stumble, we struggle, we sin. We're tempted and tried every single day. And many times we find ourselves off of the path. We stray a little bit and we wander from the truth. We might find ourselves out of step with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as we get a little bit off track, we fall out of fellowship with God's people, other believers. But this morning, I want you to hear in these words that God is giving us an encouraging message. It's not too late. There is a way back. There's forgiveness, there's restoration, and there's healing. Because Jesus died so that you could live, and he won the victory that we could not win on our own, so that we could live a life that would shine for his glory. Faith in Jesus is the truth. He is the way back to God. And so with that in mind, James, the half-brother of Jesus, says these words in his closing. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, he speaks lovingly and affectionately to the brothers and sisters that are struggling in their faith. And he says, anyone among you, if anyone among you wanders from, So he's obviously speaking to brothers and sisters in the church. 
with the idea that from time to time, people are going to wander. Get off track. Stray from what we know to be true. And when we get away from what we know to be true, we find ourselves quickly confused. We find ourselves conflicted. We find ourselves in trouble. And it happens anytime we try to live by our own standard and not God's standard. It's those moments when we think, well, I know better than God and he'll be okay with this. I'm going to do what I want to do. It's those times when we do what feels right for us. It's those times when we act contradictory to what God's word says because honestly we just don't want to do what God wants us to do. And we become distanced from God and from His people. Stubbornness and selfishness just rise up inside of us. And at the same time, guilt and shame can make us feel like there's no way back. And we might even wonder wonder to ourselves, how did I get here? Now, again, honestly, many times we wander simply because we want to. Just what I was talking about. We want to follow our selfish desires and not God's word. But there are other times when people wander because they fall victim to deception, either from the devil or from other people. They believe lies that are presented to them as truth. They begin to challenge the truth of God's word. And it's exactly what Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, that they become tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. See, with no anchor, no truth that is absolute, it is very easy to get off the path. But remember, there is a way back. Have you ever been lost? I mean, like really seriously lost, where you don't really know where you are or how you're going to get back. It can be scary. It can be very emotional. And you think, oh my gosh, how did I wind up here? What am I going to do to get back to where I need to be? Is there a way back or can I find someone to help me? See, when someone wanders from the truth of God's word, I think we find ourselves a little bit like those lost sheep. Pretty much helpless. Because we're still depending on our own devices and we need someone to give us a a nudge, a push in the right direction. Do you remember the story that Jesus told about the sheep and the shepherd? How the good shepherd would leave the 99 and go out to find the one lost sheep? Maybe you have somebody in your mind right now. And you say, they're in my family. That's my little lost sheep. Or Isaiah in Isaiah 53. We all like sheep have gone astray. Everyone to his own way. And maybe you look across a list of friends, a church role, family members, and, and you just see people here and here and here. And you see people that have wandered. And when we find ourselves lost in life, it can be a very dangerous place. 
we wonder what in the world we would do. We live with attitudes and beliefs and behaviors that obviously don't please God. And the effects of that sin may not be immediate. People may wander and they may think everything is better. Oh, this is great. Life is good. Income is up. You know, amusement is at an all-time high. What could be better than this? But the effects of sin may not be immediate, but they are inevitable and they are never good. Because, as the Bible says, as a man sows, so shall he reap. And wandering from the truth is so dangerous because sin is very destructive. Sin is destructive. That's the second thing in our outline. In verse 20, listen to what he says. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save his soul from death. Think about that just for a minute. Whoever brings back a wandering sinner saves his soul from death. I don't think we have to be Bible scholars to understand what James is saying, that sin is serious business. Throughout the Bible, we see that sin is serious because God is righteous and God is holy. And sin is very simply anything that is against God, who God is, and what God says. And the Bible's clear Just in the book of Romans, we find out that sin is universal, that everyone is a sinner. Sin leads to spiritual death. That's Romans 6.23. And that sin separates us from God. But Romans also tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because remember, there is a way back. When we wander from the truth, we wander into sin. And we wander into sin, we're headed to trouble But Jesus died, remember, to rescue us. And that is the message that we carry, that we share, that there is a rescuer. Because you see, sin is destructive because if you don't deal with it, it won't just go away. Do you have that one thing in your life that you ignore and you think, well, maybe it won't be there tomorrow. Maybe it's a project. Maybe it's something on your to-do list. Maybe it's something that, you know, you feel like God's told you to do, but you just think, well, maybe tomorrow it won't be there. You know, those things typically don't just go away. They typically, over time, just fester and get worse. And sin is the same way, except it can lead to death. It grows and grows. And as James told us earlier in the letter, when it's full grown, it brings forth death. Now, it's clear that for people that aren't, A follower of Jesus, that means spiritual death, being eternally separated from God in a real place called hell. For the Christian, someone who has faith in Jesus, the lingering effects of unconfessed sin build a barrier between us and God. Make it hard to pray, make it hard to hear God, make it difficult to obey, can lead to physical sickness. It hurts other people. It destroys relationships, marriages, families suffer. The whole church suffers. 
And all the while, that unconfessed sin will continue to grow. Remember, it won't go away, and over time, the consequences grow. But because sin is so destructive, God made provision. He gave us a remedy. We read it earlier in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus died so that we could receive forgiveness for our sins. He gave His life so that we could have new life. He came to be the way for man to come back to God. That's the truth of the gospel. Why am I going over that? Because that's the only thing that can bring you back from wandering. It's the only thing that will bring someone back who wanders away. The third thing on your outline is the truth will set us free. Now, Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we see truth, we know that Jesus is the truth. And so when we have a relationship with Jesus... It sets us free from sin, condemnation, and death. Because Jesus said what? John chapter 8, verse 32, And you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. When someone wanders away from the truth, the truth of who Jesus is, the gospel, they walk right back into bondage. You've been released from a cell, the door has been unlocked, and you choose to go back in and kind of pull the door closed on yourself. It's self-entrapment. But the good news always reminds us that we don't have to stay that way. But people become defeated. I've disappointed everyone. I've let down God, I can't believe anybody would ever forgive me for what I've done. They look around and they see the consequences of their actions and they think, gosh, there's no hope. But the message James leaves us with is that there is hope. That we can always return back to Jesus. That we can walk once again in freedom. But sometimes we need someone to come along and help us find our way. Somebody to remind us of the truth. James describes that person. Listen to what he says. Whoever brings a sinner back from his wandering. So what does it mean to bring someone back from wandering? It's just very simply is to return someone to the point where they were Previously, to take them from off the path and put them back on the path. When I was younger, I had one of those slot car racetracks that as long as you, you know, you could, if you gave it the right amount of power, you could keep them on the track. But if you gave it too much, then they would jump off the track. And so as I played with that, I spent as much time retrieving the car that had flown off the track and putting it back on the track as I did actually running them around the track. And I think sometimes life is, is like that, that 
we find ourselves off the track and we need the loving grace of God to help us get back on the track. And sometimes, many times, he uses another person as the agent. It looks like a brother in Christ helping another brother turn from their sin and turn back to God. It's a loving sister calling another sister back to the truth. It's not, it doesn't take a professional. In fact, I think James is is telling us that it's all of us as brothers and sisters responsible for calling one another back to the truth. And it's not simply just the responsibility of, of a pastor or a minister. That each one of us is part of a body. We're accountable to one another. And as we are in that relationship with Jesus and with one another, that we have this privilege and this responsibility. It's for every believer. So that means you, 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 and you, and if I missed you, you as well, to have this responsibility. Think of it this way. If you were watching someone walk, and you could see very clearly that they were about to walk straight into a hole without knowing. Now, very likely you wouldn't wait for someone more experienced or better trained at issuing a warning against holes, would you? Probably not. You probably wouldn't call 911 and say, um, you know, I need to get an officer dispatched here. Someone is about to walk into a hole. Hopefully, in that situation, you would probably shout out, watch out. There's a hole in front of you. Be careful. In the very same way, God uses men and women just like you to help bring back sinners from their wandering. It doesn't take an expert. It doesn't take a professional. It simply takes someone who is submitted to the truth, somebody who loves Jesus, Somebody who's walking in step with the Holy Spirit. That looks out for the interest of others with humility. And somebody that's ready to be able to speak the truth in love. And when that happens, and God works, listen to what James says can happen. First, you'll save his soul from death. Remember just a few minutes ago, we talked about how destructive sin is. Doesn't that sound powerful? You'll save his soul from death. Unconfessed sin is dangerous. Death to the unbeliever, loss of fellowship, close fellowship with Jesus for the believer. And also at times it can lead to physical death. We don't have time to go into it now, but I would refer you to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you read verses 27 through 30, it's a section where Paul's talking about the Lord's Supper and he talks about those who are become sick and those that have died because they took the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And so I truly believe that there are those times when God in his sovereignty and his plans says in the life of a believer, that's that's enough. And that person, their life is is ended, what we would call unexpectedly, or sometimes we say things like way too soon. But it's in God's plan because of the 
the pattern of their life or their sinfulness. And so it's serious when we take these opportunities that God would use somebody like me to help bring another believer back to the truth. God would use you to help deliver them from the deadly effect of sin. But it gets better. Second, you'll cover a multitude of sin. Now we have to understand that we have no ability to cover over people's sins. That's God's business. Psalm 32 verse 1 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. But Peter and James both quote Proverbs chapter 10 verse 12 in their letters. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses or a multitude of sins. And so God uses us in the process of helping someone receive the forgiveness that God freely gives, but also in love. He uses us to be a shade and a shelter to that person. That when you have that opportunity, when someone is is confessing to you or you confront them and something is revealed, our response should be, let's take that to the Lord in prayer and find you know, healing and forgiveness. It's not, you know, shame on you. You shouldn't have done that. I can't believe you did that. But it's being an agent in the forgiveness that God offers. The pages of the Bible are just filled with the wonderful blessing of forgiveness. Just one, that He removes our sin, and it's as far away as the East is from the West. You can read several others. But one that, an old song kind of just smashes some of these together. My sins, my sins are under the blood. My guilt is gone and my soul is free. My peace, my peace is made with God. The Lord has pardoned me. When we help turn someone back to the truth, we help them to enjoy the blessedness of forgiveness. We get to be a part of what God is doing in extending both love and mercy. I wrote a question down, and it's one of those searching questions that that I, I ask myself, and then I don't like to answer completely, but I'm going to ask you too, and you may find it the same. But am I more concerned with the physically sick than those who are spiritually sick? And if I were more honest with myself, does my prayer list reflect the answer? Many people have said it. I don't really know who you could ever give the credit to, but that church should be more like a spiritual hospital. A place of healing. A place of hope. A place of safety. A place of comfort. A place where we can come to and we can be loved. We can be accepted. We can be embraced with the love of Jesus. So how does God want to use you to minister to others around you? Your family, your church, your community. Because we come back to what we said at the beginning, brothers and sisters in Christ, 
have the privilege and responsibility of calling one another to truth. And here's the reality right now. God may be wanting to use you to help bring someone back to the truth. Do you know someone who's wandering, wandered, or struggling today? Probably everybody could say yeah. Could you be that person that God wants to use in their life? Maybe you've already done that and maybe it's time to take another person with you as Jesus gave instruction in Matthew 18. But you might be struggling. You probably are. And you're thinking, I could never do that. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And my goodness, I'm certainly not qualified. Look at how I've lived. Let me just give you three things as we close. And this is certainly not a complete list. I've likely left something out. And if I did, you can help me to know that later. But first of all, just simply, love must lead the way. That our actions, our speech, should be in love. Our motive in going to the person should be to see them lovingly redeemed. It's not a time to cast blame, to make accusations. It's a time to speak what the Bible calls truth in love. And that requires humility. It it requires being honest. And it requires being gentle. In fact, if you have your Bible still open to James, just flip back just a few pages to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. And let's read verse 1 together. Remember, it goes Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Galatia. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of of Christ. So love must lead the way. Second, prayer is essential. If you're going to engage in this, and I hope you do, you have to prepare your heart first. Paul was very careful to remind us that the Christian life is warfare, and it's spiritual warfare, and the rules of engagement are seldom followed. The enemy is deceptive and will use anything he can to cause further pain and destruction to another person and to you as well. And so you see in Paul's caution, the verse that we just read, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Jesus talked about 
being sure that you dealt with the log in your own eye before you went and hunted specks in other people's eyes. But at the end of that section, his goal is that we would be part of helping our brothers and sisters to remove that speck from their eye. But his point is simply that we have to deal with our sins first. So preparing your heart is a time of confession and repentance, strengthening yourself in the Lord before you go to that person. It's also asking for wisdom, remembering that Jesus, God promises that he gives wisdom to those who ask. And then it's also praying for that person, praying that God would prepare the way, that his spirit would go before you and begin to work. And then it involves praying during the time with the person, continuing to ask for wisdom and for discernment. And then third, operate in truth. You need to have the truth about the situation before you enter the conversation. Now, that involves knowing your facts about the person, you know, making sure that, you know, what you think to be true is the truth, and sometimes that involves a conversation. But it also means knowing what God's Word says about the particular situation that you're dealing with. So have the truth before, and then when you are, vi- you are talking to that person, you're speaking the truth of God's Word, and you're speaking it in love. Trusting God's word to do its work. You don't have to be the pleader. You don't have to be the persuader. You don't have to be the arguer. You don't have to be a debate champion. You're simply going to somebody in love, telling them, brother, this is what I see. Sister, this is what I've recognized. This is what God's word says. And then inviting the presence of the Lord to deal in their heart, asking him to bring restoration and then the rest of the battle most of the battle is done in the place of prayers before we pray listen to what james says my brothers if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins will you pray with me Lord, it seems that we have just touched the very surface of what this means to be a part of restoration in the lives of other believers. But God, we know that the power and the ability don't lie in who we are, but it's totally in who you are. And so we want to pause now to invite you to, to speak and work in our hearts. This challenge from your, your word is difficult because it makes us feel uncomfortable. We're fearful. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to cause offense. We don't want to cause further damage. But Lord, we ask you to help us to see those things as 
excuses and lies that we would open ourselves to you and say God if you would use me then I trust you to give me what I need to to go and to speak that we wouldn't give place to fear that we would trust you in faith that we would like James has called us to begin to be better doers and not just hearers. That we would see that it's your work of reconciliation, your work of restoration, and we simply get to be a part of that. Give us a burden for those people in our lives. Give us the strength and the encouragement to reach out to them. And by the power of your spirit, help us to speak the truth in love, to pray diligently. Lord, truly believing that the prayers of a righteous person have great power as they're working. And your word says that if we therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. You are the healer. And Lord, we want to be a part of what you're doing to heal hurting hearts. Help us to see what that looks like for us and to step forward in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. It's really just a couple of things as we prepare to to sing together one as your the Lord is dealing with you maybe about this particular passage and someone maybe on your mind or is you know you're you're struggling with that it's an opportunity to pray and just yield yourself to the Lord and ask God to begin to work in in you preparing you for that opportunity and preparing the other person for that conversation maybe it's something that you've known that you should have done for a long time and you've just put off or maybe it's something the Lord has just spoken unto you and maybe this time would be a time of, of preparation time of prayer as you, you step forward into what God has for you or maybe you find yourself as you've listened and think well I'm, I'm off track and I'm so encouraged to hear that Jesus says you can get back on track and maybe Today is the time that you, you get back on track. You say, Jesus, I've, I've wandered. You know, like the old song says, you know, I've wandered far away from home and now I'm coming home. Maybe it's time to come home into fellowship with Jesus once again. It's the simple process of confession and repentance. It's the beautiful gift he's given us. Or maybe today you're just thinking this finally made sense to me, what Jesus has done for me, that I could be rescued, that there's hope for me. And today could be the, the day of salvation. Or a last thing, maybe this time is a time for you to just lift up the name of a person or persons. Knowing that you maybe have said all you think you can say or done what you can do, and you're trusting the Lord to 
have someone join with you in that or to, to make an opportunity to send someone else into their path to speak the truth. And so that's several things. The Lord may have something different for you as you, as you listen. But would you join in standing? We're going to sing together. And as we sing and you hear God's voice, I trust you would respond. bless you and may the truth of his word sink deep out deep down into our souls and may he use us to strengthen us and encourage us to do those things that he he calls us to do it's been a good day to be in the house of the lord to worship with you and i trust as we we go out in just a moment after we sing the lord will continue to bless you and speak to you and um let's make a commitment as we are able and have opportunity to be people that are willing to speak the truth in love, knowing what God is willing to do and wants to do in the process. We're going to sing together, and when we begin singing, you're free to go. So, Lord, bless you. What a friend.